Joe Piazza stops by the studio. We talk about our new book, How to Be Married, which was just released by Penguin Random House. Enjoy! Award-winning journalist, editor, digital content strategist, and author. Thank you for coming to the studio today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. (laughs) So you've written several books. You also write for uh, CNN, New York Times. You've written for Glamour, Elle, New York Daily News. Yeah, it runs the gamut. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And you've recently just um, released a book. I did. I did, yeah. Last month, um, How to Be Married. This is the best topic ever. It's good. It's really good. People love to talk about marriage. They really love it. I mean, we just got off about six weeks on the road and found out that people are hungry, especially men. Really? Yeah, because I think women get to talk about marriage Mm -hmm. more. Like, we have more of a space to do it. Um, But you get, we had, here in San Francisco, we had an event at the Battery. It was our first event. And it was about 200 people. And... I'd say 70% of the questions came from men who were just so eager. They're like raising their hands and jumping out of their seat. And I I was blown away. I was shocked. I didn't expect it. Can you give me a sampling of what they were asking? Oh my gosh. The best question was the first one. This guy stands up. And so for, since I am super pregnant right now. So my husband, Nick actually interviewed me at all of these book events. I didn't just do straight book readings also because straight book readings are so boring. Uh Uh, So he interviewed me and it was a lot more fun. It was engaging. And so we finished the interview and this guy, he just stands up he stands up and raises his hand and he's like, is marriage a scam? (laughs) And we were both kind of blown away. We were like, and I was like, are you divorced? (laughs) And he's like, yes. And the answer I gave him was honest. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I think sometimes marriage is a scam. And a lot of things that we do around marriage in America make it feel that way. I mean, the way that we connect financial obligations and how difficult we make divorce and things like that. It's marriage. I think marriage is a lot more straightforward in other cultures, in mm-hmm. other countries. Um, but that wasn't enough. I mean, he really, he, he just he kept, dug he, more. He kept digging. He had a yeah. follow up question. He kept, he kept hammering because us. It's not essential to be married in life today. No, in our culture, no, we don't need to be married. So, what's the value That's add? The, he was asking what, what he was asking what the value add is, and yeah. I think also you know how you can be married and kind of get rid of all of the bullshit that surrounds the marriage. You know, the dependency, the financial dependency. Right. Um, I mean, I think that we make marriage this bureaucratic. Ins- I think there's a lot wrong with marriage in America. I'll start that mm-hmm. um, off the bat. Okay, you just start laying out. This oh, is, my gosh. I can see why you would have plenty of um, fodder for a great book. Well, and I this is a hot topic. I didn't expect it going into this. I mean, I, I, did yeah, not, yeah. I didn't pitch this book saying, let's talk about how effed up marriage is in right. the States. I just said, hey, I'm a newlywed. I have no idea what it means to be a wife. Mm-hmm. I've been this independent feminist woman my whole life. Mm-hmm. And wife seems kind of icky. How do I do this? And I was a travel editor at Yahoo at the time. God bless Yahoo Travel. Um, (laughs) And so I was traveling all over the world. So I knew I could collect all this advice from different countries. And so I traveled to 20 countries on five continents. Antarctica was scheduled and then I got pregnant. Uh 
And so I decided not to go down and interview the five men that work at a research station on Antarctica about marriage, which was a bummer. And I totally blame my unborn child. And he's going to oh, hear no. about it for he the rest of his life. He has to carry that away, that guilt forever. forever. That it yeah. only says five continents, not yeah. six. Mommy <laughs> wanted to do it. Oh, Charlie Astor. Yeah. So bad for him. Um, but so from the second I set out, though, what I realized is Americans complain more about marriage than anyone else. We have these cultural expectations and this baggage that comes with marriage more so than other cultures. I mean, we really expect our spouse to be our everything, our soulmate. Soulmate is this very American word. Right. We're like, oh, you're going to be my soulmate, my best friend, my therapist, the person who tells me I look hot in my skinny jeans, the best sex of my life, my hiking buddy. You're going to be my mom. You're my mom. And my dad. My mom and my, and my, and my, and my dad. Yeah. And my grandma. Uh, absolutely everything and it's a lot and I think it puts a lot of weight a lot of heavy weight on mm -hmm. a marriage but exactly what you said that was one of the reasons I wanted to do this because for the first time in human history I mean in the past 2,000 3,000 years we don't need to get married we don't need a partner to protect us here in the states at mm -hmm. least we don't need a partner to protect us from mm -hmm. villagers coming to rape and pillage us. Mm -hmm. We don't need someone to financially support us necessarily mm -hmm. anymore. And women can certainly, women and men can have a baby without a member of the opposite sex if they so choose. Mm -hmm. So why get married at all? Mm -hmm. But I still believe marriage is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Erica Jong, the author of Fear of Flying, about this. And, and she said she's been married four times, the last time for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Erica, why do you keep getting married? Like, four husbands. It's a lot of baggage. It's like Cher or somebody. It's like, it's like Liz Taylor. It's, it's, half, Taylor yeah. it's half of Liz Taylor. I put them in the same bucket. Sorry. <laughs> Cher and Liz Taylor are yeah. definitely in the same bucket. Um, and she's like, look, it's nice to have one best friend in a hostile world. And I carried that with me as I was reporting this book. It is. It's nice to have one best friend in a hostile world. And I think that's why we keep getting married. Why we keep pairing off into these little tribes of two. Mm-hmm. I remember getting married. Well, I got married at 25. Oh my God, you're a baby. 26, maybe. Yeah. But, so, yeah. yeah, but so, I yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. And what it did for me was it gave me um, a lot of security and safety that I had, like, a partner in crime. A partner in crime. Yeah. You know, and she's also a lovely woman. You know, now we're, you know, 15 years. Congratulations. Married. And, and of course, she's like, she is my soulmate. Yeah, <laughs> your soulmate and your best friend, and, they, and, and, and she's my so, mom and, sometimes and my it, dad. And sometimes it turns out that way, but it's a lot going into a marriage to think it'll no, be that way from it the totally start. totally is. But that's what it gave me. It was it kind of like it gave me the security, and then I could focus on other things in life. Mm -hmm. like exactly. I could go crush the rest of it. I have so much more energy stop. now that I'm married. Really? I have so much more energy for other things in my life rather than thinking about having a companion or chasing a companion. Right. It's fascinating. Right. How much mental energy I put on that one thing for so many years. Right. So did I let the cat out of the bag? I mean, what are the other reasons why people get married? Like, what are the, what are the benefits? What are the value? You know, I think, and this is true in cultures all over the world, a lot of it is to have children, to have children mm -hmm. and then to pass on your values to your children mm -hmm. um, and to create that kind of family unit. I mean, we're still structured from an evolutionary standpoint to want to be with another human being and to want to procreate and then to want to create a family unit that passes on not just our genes but our values through that family unit and to instruct the next generation of how to live. I mean, that is fundamentally the role of husband and wife mm -hmm. in the majority of cultures in the world. But it's interesting because, and especially when you start talking about roles, 
the role of husband and wife is much better defined, I think, in other cultures than it, sure. it's getting hazier here in, in, in what the way? States. Give, give us an example. You know, um, especially in the more tribal cultures, and I spent about 30% of my time with tribal cultures in Africa and in India, um, mm. talking about, like, what do you expect from your husband? And they're like, well, these are the things he does. Yeah. He goes out and he protects the house and he makes deals with the other tribesmen and sometimes he brings home the food and this is what I do. I take care of the children. I build the house. I take care of the fire. I fetch the water during the day. And that's like a very basic example, right. but it's still like rules. It's rules that go along with a role. And here in the States, we're like, what, what does it mean to be a wife? What does equality mean? And how do we figure that out between ourselves? And especially because you know, you go to places like Northern Europe and all on this press tour, everyone's been asking me, who gets marriage right? Because every, right? everyone wants the concrete answers to everything. And right. the, other, the other bullshit thing is everyone, all the women's magazines are like marriage expert, Joe Piazza. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm a newly, marriage investigator. Yeah, marriage investigator. <laughs> yeah. Like newlywed who didn't know anything about marriage. Um, yeah. I know nothing except I'm, you know, like what, I, what I researched it and the advice that I gathered and... But it's Northern Europe that has it very well figured out. And it's because they have a quality very well baked into their society already. Mm-hmm. Like they already look at men and women as equals in so many ways. And Sweden's my favorite example of that. They offer this incredible parental leave for couples. Right. Um, 80% of your salary paid for by the government. Doesn't matter if you're a consultant, if you have a full-time job, you just hand them your tax returns uh, for 18 months. And it's split between the man and the woman, typically equally. In a lot of cases, the man takes it fully. So the man becomes the full-time caretaker of the children. And there's no cultural stigma against that. It's like, yeah, of course, you're going on daddy leave now. In Northern Europe. They also work a lot less. I mean, they are prioritizing their marriage in equal parts as they prioritize their job, sometimes more. And Mm. here in the States, I feel like we often prioritize our job more than we prioritize our marriage, especially at least up until we have kids. Then we start talking about work-life balance. But until that point, we let our jobs dictate how often we see our spouse, how we see our spouse, what mood we're in when we see our spouse, um, and even where we live. So a lot of times we move far away from our nuclear family units yeah. Uh, in or- for our job. Do you, do you live near your parents? No, so far away. Um, my parents are in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Nick, my husband's parents, are in Milwaukee. Um, mm. And I just left all of my friends and my life on the East Coast because he lived here in San mm. Francisco. And it's something I explore in the book, too, talking about the importance of community and having someone, not just once you have kids, but just having a group to support your marriage having elders, having marriage mentors, having people that can pass down wisdom and advice and support yeah. a marriage, other mm-hmm. people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know especially, I have a big group of girlfriends. I, can, I text with them all the time. Mm-hmm. My husband doesn't have a community of people that he necessarily talks to about our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that can often be hard for people. I've read that uh, men kind of um, somehow don't have that, those relationships. A typical you know, middle middle American man. No. Or, or anywhere man in the, in the States. They don't have that same you know, gaggle of gals. They don't they have don't a gaggle have, of They don't guys. have a, 
a little nuclear group that they bounce things off of. And it's, it's detrimental, I think, in, even to their health. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When and they reach 45, 50. Research has shown that having a strong community of friends around you mm-hmm. is beneficial for your health. Because they don't prioritize that in our culture. No. They prioritize no. work mm-hmm. and bring home the, the bacon. Bring say. home the bacon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. They don't have that, that other community. No. And what other, what other cultures did you interview so, research? Did you go to Asia? Did um, do- I didn't, I was in India, India okay. but I did not end up spending time in Asia and most of this. So I planned the trip and I'm very careful to say, you know, I'm not like a rich person or a celebrity. So, and I was a travel editor. So a lot of the countries that I was going to were dependent on where I was going for work. Uh-huh. And so I knew there were places that I wanted to go. I wanted to spend time in France. I wanted to spend time in Israel with the Orthodox Jewish community. Hmm. I wanted to spend time in Africa with the polygamous tribes in Kenya and Tanzania. Hmm. Um, and I wanted to make it to South Korea, actually, because they, hmm. South Koreans are these ridiculous romantics. So, and, and most people don't know that. They, they love love, and they love gooey love. And I was fascinated by that idea. Right. But um, we didn't make it there, which was a bummer. So the closest I got was... Southeast Asia, in India. I was in the Maldives. I was briefly in Malaysia, um, but that didn't make it into the book. Mm-hmm. So what, what did the Indian culture say about Well, India marriage? was fascinating. Um, it is fascinating in its own right. In its own right. And it's, I mean, it, I love what you it's just did. It's loud. You, so no one can see you right now, lovely. but you just like shook your head like you had whiplash. And that's how <laughs> I felt the whole time I was in India. Because you're like, everywhere you turn, there's something different happening. Yes. And it's like an onion. You're just peeling back all the layers. And so I went to India. The best part about writing this book is I was surprised constantly. You know, you think you, you have this preconceived notion about what's going to happen when you go out reporting into the world. And then you do. You just get whiplash because you just get blown away by something you didn't expect. And that's what happened in India. I went to India to talk about arranged marriage. Um, statistically, arranged wow. marriages tend to have higher satisfaction rates than non-arranged marriages. Um, And if you think about like the psychological research into choice, it can often make sense. When we have more choices, we tend to be dissatisfied with the one that we end up choosing. It's just this weird psychological quirk of human beings. Mm. Um, But it's also the fact that in arranged marriages in India, they're they're really investing the time to look for a long-term partner for you rather than someone that you might just have really hot sex with for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking at things like education, family values, what you, what you actually like to do as opposed to what you think you'd like to, be, to do. And mm-hmm. it's not just the parents arranging it. It's typically an entire family. Uh, and modern arranged marriage is not like, okay, we picked your bride and you're going to meet them tomorrow and, get, and then get married. We get like get 70 ruble, rubies. No, exactly. Like they're, we get 70 they're, rubies. They're actually thoughtful. And a cow. They're very thoughtful about right. it. And you, you, you spend time with this person and you do kind of date them and choose, except the parents are also involved. And I think there's, there's something mm. kind of comforting about that. Mm-hmm. Someone who loves you and is so invested in your happiness, mm-hmm. taking the time to sort through these people for you. So the typical in marriage, maybe in our culture, you said there's dissatisfaction because there's too much choice. Too much choice. Do you think perhaps there, people question, well, there was that one that got away? Oh, yeah. When I was Absol- 28? Absolutely. I, that was the one? But, that, but Dang that, it. doesn't that happen all the time? I mean, with I have everything. so many girlfriends, every time they get in a fight with their husband, they're like, well, I should have married Mike. Oh, my gosh. They say that? They say that. That's crazy. It's crazy. 
Yeah. Flip. But, Trey, uh, you don't do that. But you? then you're like, really? You're like, but Mike was kind of a jerk. And Mike cheated on you with Wendy. And they're like, uh, oh, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, Mike wasn't great. And I'm like, it sucks that your husband leaves the toilet seat up all the time. But really, oh Mike? Gosh. They and just go nuclear. They go nuclear. In chats. And like, go back I should have married. Yeah. And then uh, there's no, in Indian culture with arranged marriage, there's no coulda, shoulda, woulda. It's like, no, this was the right person for me. This was the person. The family that, agreed. The family agreed. This is the person that was chosen for me. And it's not always perfect. I mean, no, mar- no culture has perfect marriage. Right. But so I'm in India. I'm talking about arranged marriage. It's fascinating. And I'm in a tuk-tuk, one of yeah. the taxis. And I talk, to the tuk-tuk, I talk to taxi drivers about marriage a lot because oh. the taxi drivers good. always have good ideas of right. who to talk to. Like the right. taxi drivers know everyone. Yeah. Um, it's my biggest reporter's trick that I interview taxi drivers everywhere in every city in the world. And so I'm telling him that I'm writing this book about marriage and he's like, well, you can't leave India yet. And I was scheduled to leave shortly after. And it's like, why? He's like, well, you have to go to the place where the women rule. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he's like, in the state of Meghalaya in the city of Shillong, there's two tribes where the women are in charge. It's matrilineal. You have to go there. And so I did. And I completely revamped my trip and rescheduled everything to go. And it was true. There, and it's a tribe that's very integrated into the culture. So the women are, the doc- are doctors and lawyers. They run the largest newspaper in Shillong. But all of the money, the property, and the family name is passed down through the girls, passed down to the youngest daughter. So the women legitimately are in control there. Um, and it was fascinating because for hundreds of years, it's been kind of this idyllic society. You know, you talk to them and they're, you're like, well, you have the power, so how is that different? And they're like, it's not different. You know, we compromise. I compromise with my husband. I always ask my husband what he wants. And you're just like, wow, that's very different than a lot of relationships in the States where the man has the earning power, which typically bleeds over into different kinds of power mm-hmm. in a relationship. But the most fascinating thing was now that internet and satellite television have gotten to Shillong, The men realize that other parts of the world aren't like this. Men are in control in other parts of the world. So it's blowing up the society? They're pissed. They're leaving. Oh, really? They're just leaving um, and blowing up the society. And there's whole male suffragist movements now where the men are trying to push for equality. And it's interesting to watch because it's only happened... How many people are in this culture? Oh, you know... It's towns. 100,000, a couple hundred thousand. And it's Uh big. It's a state in northeastern India. But... Uh um, they and it's working and it's working quickly. near Darjeeling like up there close to Darjeeling on the border with Bangladesh Uh yeah Um, and so but if you think about how long women have been fighting for equality in the rest of the world this has happened in the past five years it just sped up because the men are like no we will not be your we will not be your breeding bulls (laughs) um but it, but it is this wa- what you write in the book too? Breeding yeah, bulls? yeah, yeah. Breeding bulls, and that's what they said. That's 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 what they talk about. And but it was also a small percentage of the men. Like a lot of men were very happy. They were very happy to have their wives as the breadwinners um, mm. until they realized that they were missing out on something. So the women were also fully employed. They were breadwinners as well as moms. Or the, were, were the are breadwinners, the, are the moms. Men, are the men the moms? I mean, you know, men no. the caregivers. In a lot of cases, men did take care of the home a little bit. I think the women do almost everything. I mean, these were some... Most of the women worked outside of the house? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course they did. 
Yeah, they worked outside of the house. They either worked in the market or, like I said, the editor of the biggest right. newspaper there. They were doctors. They were lawyers. They were very well educated. And Did you talk to them? Yeah. That, and yeah. Th- that woman maybe was educated outside of India? No, she was educated in, in India. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder how that, if they left, or if they went to another state, you know, some, some other place for... No, they, uh, well, it's a big there. city. It's yeah. actually, it is a big city with a lot of modern conveniences. I mm-hmm. mean, they're a tribal culture, but a tribal culture that's integrated with into mm-hmm. modern life. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. And it, but it, was, it really was fascinating to see the levels of compromise that the women wanted mm-hmm. to have within a marriage and how, how much they stressed compromise. And they also stressed gratitude and being grateful for your husband. Uh, which was really interesting because I feel like here, especially in San Francisco, we talk about gratitude with like hashtag blessed all the time, but we don't talk about real gratitude. Hashtag grateful. Yeah, hashtag grateful. Um, I mean, like the guy at Byright the other day told me he was grateful for these for these pickled beets that I was buying. Mm-hmm. And my dog sitter tells me he's grateful for our gross dog, Lady Piazza. And I'm like, no one's grateful for Lady Piazza. Not even us. Um <laughs> But there they really integrated it into their lives. There were rituals around gratitude. You know, they talked about it. They expressed it out loud to each other, but not in a weird way on Instagram. Just And they went to the temple and asked for thanks for their marriage, for their husband on a very regular basis. What do you think you would have found when you, if you interviewed the people in the five men in Antarctica? I think it would have been really interesting. And the thing that I wanted to talk to, there's a high rate of divorce is what I heard what, for, between the, the researchers they, that live in Antarctica because but they, they don't go with their wives. They don't go with their wives. I have wives. heard of ice wives. Ice wives. Have yeah, you heard that? I have heard of that. Yeah. And so I wanted what I was really interested in. My husband and I were long distance when we first met. Uh-huh. I lived in New York. He lived in San Francisco. And that was, it was kind of a nice thing in the beginning of a relationship because it was an interesting way. I mean, it kept things exciting. We had to travel all the time, but we also had to communicate in different ways. You know, we were forced to talk when we were together. We were forced to talk about like real things as opposed to just idle banter, idle chit chat. Um, And so I wanted to talk about a long distance marriage and and what that would have looked like. But I also wanted to talk about, you know, the breeding patterns of the penguins. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) But yeah, but, but we didn't make it. We didn't make it. My, my mother-in-law went um, without me. She was originally oh. going to go with me. Oh, and she yeah. carried on? She carried on. Like, do you she mind ca- taking this tape recorder with you? Yeah, I'm like, do you want to just talk to these, these guys? Get the pen we got a list of questions. Yeah, and she, you know, she, you gotta, she, she actually she probably would have gotten it done better than I am. My mother-in-law is a force of nature. Um, so you met your dream man. I did. You buttoned it up. Yep. You were in the mid-30s mm-hmm. when you met your husband. Yeah, 34. Um, there's a lot of pressure kind of at, in, in that age. Um, why is there so much pressure on women? Uh, it's on women. And I wrote, I wrote an essay for Time magazine about this, about how I, I said that I think the perfect age for a woman to get married is 35. In my head, it's really 30. But, you know, I'm trying to cut through so much Donald Trump noise that I'm like, you know what? Let's, go, let's add an extra five years to that. Let's say 35. Um, but Are we, you doing that to, you think it's 30? We're forecasting 35, so I people have like a, a runway? I think it's 30, but, like thir- but 35 is a little bit more interesting. It's like, wow, 35 seems really old. Like, are you okay at 35? Like, 35, you're about to be a spinster. And that's what a lot of my married friends were saying to me. They were like, you shouldn't have broken up with the last guy. You should have just married him because it's better to be divorced than to have never been married. Oh, my hat. Mm-hmm. Can and I this- get your girlfriend's 
uh, numbers and I'd text them you too. You just text them. Just be like, well, how's your <laughs> like, marriage? What else is going on? How's your marriage doing now? You know, how, uh, are your, how are your caftans? I mean, th- and this you, is, this is the woman. baby too? This is the woman that's like, I should have married Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget, you know who you are. No. <laughs> you know exactly who you are. Um, but I believe it. And the thing is, we talk to men. We say things to men in our culture like, be financially secure before you get married. Feel like you're comfortable in your career before you get married. We don't uh-huh. talk like that to women. Uh-huh. We say, find someone who is financially secure. Find someone who does have a good career and marry that person. Uh, and yeah. all over the world, the women that I talked to that got married later were happier because they felt like they had lived a life. They felt like they had invested more in their education in their careers, they felt like they were ready to be a good partner. Um, mm. I mean, if I had married any of the schlubs that I dated in my 20s, I would be divorced by now. Um, I think that it was by virtue of waiting and then meeting my Prince Charming on a boat in the Galapagos, which is ridiculous. Hello. It's ridiculous. <laughs> hashtag it's a, grateful, hashtag, hashtag worked out. Hashtag so blessed. <laughs> hashtag thank God. Um, <laughs> I mean, the story, the story of how I met Nick is so ridiculous that sometimes people ask me, and I'm like, we just met Tell on Tinder. Tell it again. We, just met, they, on, we also, just met on Tinder because I don't even want to go in there. <laughs> I mean, I, I dated everyone in New York City. Absolutely everyone. And so... You were out of... I was out of men. Tinders. I, I couldn't Tinder. I, Tinder, Tinder hadn't, hadn't exactly caught on mm-hmm. in um, two years ago. That would have been a new pool for you. It, yeah. It would have been a whole new pool. I think I would have been very bad at it, though. Uh-huh. I think I would have lost interest in Tinder very quickly. Like, swipe, I, swipe, 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 so bored. Like, I, I only, I had enough attention span for words with friends for, like, 15 minutes. Like, I don't think I could handle Tinder. But, um, yeah, so I went on this, I had an assignment in the Galapagos and on a boat for 10 days. And it turns out Nick was also on that boat and I had no agenda. I had no makeup. I well, I thought I thought the boat was going to be a lot of senior citizens because that's uh, who typically goes to the Galapagos right. is senior citizen couples. Um, you had your snorkel gear. And yeah, it's, he I, had his snorkel gear. No, this is the no. I had a copy of Kurt Vonnegut's Galapagos. He had a copy of uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Galapagos. Like it doesn't get more like nerdy cultural elite than that. <laughs> it's sad. Um, except I read it and he didn't read it. <laughs> He was like, he found out you were reading it. I was like, well, tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we both had these like tattered copies of Galapagos. <laughs> Except you read yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I have a stack of books next to my, my <laughs> bed. Like, we all have that none stack of, of them books. have none been read. Have, well, no, my, I, I read them. Like, I read constantly because I'm con- I need to read to be able to write. Um, and I buy Nick books constantly, and he never reads them. Mm-hmm. I have a stack of New Yorkers oh, yeah. in the bathroom that hasn't been read for about mm-hmm. a year. That I, it's like my pile of guilt that I just feel <laughs> badly about. And then I just go on the back page and look at the cartoons. Yeah. Because they make me happy. I read like, or I bought an Ellen DeGeneres book one time because I read a foreword or like a chapter yeah. in the bookstore. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> my, wife, my wife was like, what do you buy? This is totally really? like an odd, like, odd book to choose. Ellen? And I, I think she browbeat me into not finishing it. I think actually oh. I carried guilt and did not. But I wouldn't have read it anyway, let's be honest. We wouldn't have read it anyway. But now we'll never know. <laughs> it was know. a good pick though. Now we'll never know that how she chapter proposed, was amazing. How she proposed can... to Portia. <laughs> Is that what I'm missing? I think that's, I'm sure that's in it. Right? I had this great joke. It was, it was, I thought it was clever. She's funny. But are there books? <laughs> Where were you at before I went into that? Oh, so how, yeah. So I how I met my, my, my husband. On this boat. On the and, boat. 
and there was no Wi-Fi. And so usually I would, when I was on assignment for work, I would just go up to my room at night and like be working. But I couldn't work. I had to, I was forced to interact with this California dude with long hair wearing hiking sandals who was mm -hmm. totally not my type. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found out he was kind of my type and I was kind of falling for him. And he ignored me, which was my type, guys who ignored me. Um, <laughs> He was off, you know, diving down to the bottom of the ocean and like, like taking pictures. And I was like, oh, maybe he's not into me. I totally like him. <laughs> and, and then he was into me. I found out, I was like, oh my gosh. But if he'd been into me from the beginning, maybe I wouldn't have been into him. And, and then we just started this long distance romance and got engaged in three months, which seems crazy. But when you're old, again, like this is a benefit, I think, of getting married in your mid-30s. My, and my husband was 41. Mm. Um, you know what you want. You know exactly what you want and what you don't want. Had he want. been married before? No, no. But he had had serious relationships. He had had, you know, the two-year, the three-year relationships yeah. and um, that didn't work out. And before me, he dated a girl for three years mm -hmm. um, and didn't want to marry her. Mm. And so, yeah, I think you just figure, you know, it's almost similar to arranged marriage, right? Like, you know yourself better mm -hmm. at that point. And so I think you can make a more informed choice than yeah. my, my girlfriend who told me that she wished she'd married Mike. Yeah. No, I could, I could totally see that. You've also written other books, too. I have. I have. Uh, I have another one coming out in four weeks, Oh, oh really? Actually, What's that one called? Crazy. Um, which I... This is probably the only promotion that I'll be able to do for it because a small human will be coming out of my body about a Congratulations, week before the... Thank you. A week before you, the you book have a is coming out. Yeah, his name is Charlie. Charlie. His name is Charlie. Yeah, we we haven't been weird and squeamish about telling people the name. We're just kind of like, well, that's his name, so yeah. we might as well start using it. Right, Charlie. Charlie. Do yeah. you have a shortened version of Charlie yet? Well, so his full name will be Charles. Charles. Charles, yeah, which we just liked. Um, mm -hmm. And also because we met in the Galapagos, Charles Darwin. Mm. We're, now we're now entering, you know, the dark ages of... Uh, <laughs> human history. Human history. Yes. So we figured, why not have the father of rational thought, yes. Charles Darwin, <laughs> um, to name our child after. Um, so it's, it's, Char it's Charlie, and his middle name is James. So Charles James. We're not going for... If anyone calls him Chuck, I feel like I'm going to become like this like crazy mama bear with like talent. Yeah, you have to. You have to please nicknames. You have yeah, to, you have to yeah. plant them early. Yeah. And so I think yeah. we're just straight up Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, just yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Um, and so this new book is called Fitness Junkie, and it's a novel. It's a satire of the health, wellness, fitness industry, and $50 spin classes. I went to SoulCycle the other day. My bill was $45. I was yeah. in, like, I wrote, I wrote this as a satire, and I'm still, like, I really just paid $45. After the class, the shoes, the water, I was in yeah. shock. Yeah. Um, and you know, $30 juices and going into cryogenic tape tanks to lose weight and be stinging your face to like support your collagen production. So oh, yeah, wow. it's just a satire of all of that crazy crap that we're doing these do days. Do you have Lululemons? I have a lot of Lululemons. I do. I do. Do your um, girlfriends? Oh yeah. Oh my, oh, <laughs> oh, my, oh, my girlfriends have more Lululemons than you can count. <laughs> um, and that was funny too, because one of the pieces of advice that I got while I was reporting how to be married from the French women, they were, you know, the French women think they do everything better than Americans. Uh, yes. And they do. And there's They've, some things they do do better. Like, yeah. I get it. It's fair. What do they do worse? Humility. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, back to what they do better. Yeah, well, they, uh, so their, their advice was to act like your husband's mistress, which oh. I didn't love at first until mm. I kind of unpacked it. And then you're mm. like, 
well, why don't you put in the kind of effort that you put in while you were dating? Like, right. why is marriage the end game and not right. just a continuation of putting in? So it was about effort. Totally. And, and effort for both spouses, too. I'm like, well, the, true. the man needs to do it. And they're like, yeah. absolutely, of course he does. 100%. But the French women were like, oh, you American women, you, you walk around in your sweatpants all the time. And I'm like, do you know how much money I've invested in Lululemon sweatpants? Yeah. They're cute sweatpants. Yeah, they show off. They show off my assets. Yes. <laughs> um, and so then they gave those a pass. I showed them to them. They were like, okay, these are fine. I suppose. They're, like, <laughs> they're not sweatpants, actually. They're not sweatpants. They're, they're a leotard. They're athleisure. Although I haven't been able to fit in any of them for like now two months. Oh, we were talking earlier before we started taping about your, oh your attire. Have you thought of caftans? Caftans. My wife is like obsessed with it and she looks like Mrs. Roper. I tell her all the time. Yeah, I mean, I've moved into Blanche Devereaux from the Golden Girls. Territory. Yes. It, like that is Blanche that is, reference first for the podcast. That yes, thank you. That is my life now. Like, <laughs> when I hit seven months, I got big, like big in that men on the street are like, wow, you must be having twins. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Mm-hmm. And an expletive that I will not say on this podcast. Um, but so, yeah, I've moved into caftan territory, but I have to do a bunch of TV appearances for the book and yeah. we've been, as we've been promoting the book. And it's hard because, like I told you, when I wear prints, I just look like a couch. Like uh-huh. I just blend. Like, like, is it like pillows on the couch? or Well, just... kind of like Kim Kardashian at the Met Ball when she was pregnant. Uh-huh. When she, oh, it, oh well, she, essentially she looked, she looked like grandma's old velour couch mm. in this like big patterned thing. Mm. Um, which I think Kanye dressed her in just to make her feel bad about herself. Yeah, he's doing some manipulative games. I think. Yeah, I think I think I mean their marriage is fascinating. Oh. Um, I, but well, because I used to be a celebrity journalist too, so I kind of watched the rise of Kim Kardashian. Uh huh. And then what's fascinating about other, about that? I mean, this sounds like good gossip. Oh well, it's just such a marriage of convenience. I mean, it's just been so good for both of their brands. I said from the very beginning of this. I'm like, if Kim Kardashian wants to stay relevant, she has to marry someone famous and she has to have at least two kids because her career is her, slowing down. Is fo- it, was, it was slowing down. Uh-huh. Is that really the motivation for most celebrities? I, I believe, I believe so. Brangelina? At least. Brangelina is a tricky case. I don't know because theoretically what they did could have really hurt both of their careers. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, him leaving Jen, cheating, yeah. her being the other woman. It didn't. It did the opposite. It skyrocketed them to become the most famous couple in the entire world. Mm-hmm. I mean, of all time. Mm-hmm. But um, I think 80%, and from what I know, it's not just that I think. I mean, from the celebrity reporting that I've done over the years. And also, my first book was called Celebrity Inc., How Famous People Make Money. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. How do they make money? By marry, by getting married and selling pictures of their children to the press. Really? Um, I mean, the book was the book was set up like Harvard Business School case studies of oh, wow. analyzing like how, exactly how much money celebrities make off those paparazzi photos, how much they make for appearances. Do they do they, they go post up to get photographed and then they get a cut of it? They typically what? work with an agency. I mean, even the biggest celebrities are working directly with a photo agency uh-huh. um, in order to allow those photographs. Allow those photographs, and and the cut is. Except for the very grainy paparazzi pictures we're seeing, right. the majority of photos are allowed, permitted, staged, and the celebrity's getting about fifty percent of them. Hmm. Yeah, selling. The How rights. much money is that, like, for a photograph? It's less. Uh, uh, like, it's um, less now uh, with ben the internet. Affleck looking back, looking for his ch- child. Uh, you know, it looking can back be on, on New York City streets. An easy payday of twenty-five grand. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did celebrity reporting. Do you miss that? No, not you at all. You have a fascinating job. This it's, is really cool. It's been cool. I've, I've had a cool career. Um, I fell into celebrity reporting because uh-huh. I knew that I wanted to stay in New York City. I went to Columbia for grad school and I wanted to stay in New York. And the Times was like, great. I interned there. They're like, go to like a small town, cover city council, come back in five years. That was how you did it back then. Uh-huh. You know, right when the internet was starting to in like 2003. And uh, I was like, no, I want to stay in New York. And the only job I could get was as an assistant on the gossip column in, at the New York Daily News, uh, which back then, I mean, it was the New York Daily News fighting the New York Post every day for like headlines, for cover stories. Yeah. Most of those were celebrity stories. So it was cutthroat and it was hardcore yeah, reporting. So you're on the beach, you're on the street. You've got to be where they oh, are. Oh, yeah. I was out every night, out every night at celebrity events on red carpets at the hot, quote unquote, hot spots where celebrities were hanging out. And celebrities were a lot looser back then before every cell phone had a camera uh-huh. about going out and, you know, getting a little junk and talking to reporters. And, you uh-huh. know, you could just bum a cigarette off P. Diddy and he'd start ranting about it, about his ex-girlfriend. Uh-huh. Um, and so I did that, but I didn't know anything about celebrities. I majored in economics in college. I was not a celebrity buff at all. Right. And so I would... I'd make these flashcards of different celebrities and it was right when reality television was starting so I was like what's a real housewife and I'm just trying to figure it out uh and I just kind of got good at it um I think because I didn't care I didn't give a shit so I'm right, like, okay right. they like that too I, yeah well, oh, and I could also cover them objectively I'm like I have no loyalty to any of these people I'd like to dig up dirt on them I think I'd like to and I thought it was important <laughs> too because you know, celebrities have so much control over our culture, over what people buy, even what people think these days. I think it's worse now mm-hmm. than it was when I started out. So I'm like, it's important for them not to be able to put up this perfect facade for people to know what they're really like. Does Sweden uh, have a, a similar uh, fascination with celebrity? No, no. No other culture. Uh, the, the Brits and the Aussies have an obsession with celebrities. But beyond that, actually Indian culture too. I mean, their Bollywood celebrities are huge. Yeah. They're obsessed with them. I met a Bollywood um, star. Oh my God. I, so I have, I have a great Bollywood story. I'm so excited. Yeah. My last novel, The Knockoff, uh-huh. um, it's been optioned for TV here. And when things get optioned, when books get optioned for TV, uh-huh. like you're like, okay, great. Let me know, let me know if it ever actually happens. Like okay, you, yeah. you, you hear from people like once every oh, 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 yeah. every six yeah. months, they're like, oh no, now Mila Kunis is looking at it. And you're like, okay, yeah, BS. Like, yeah. again, just let me know if anything ever happens. Do I need to show up to a meeting? Yeah, no, no oh no. Schedule oh, it like out. Oh no, like, you never have to show up to a meeting. Yeah. It's just, they're like, nothing gets done in Hollywood but Bollywood optioned it. <laughs> and I was like, they're like, well, you know, it's not great money. And I'm like, I don't care. It's Bollywood. Yeah. All I care oh, about no. is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that Do I get to dance? So Do I get the outfit? I was like, all I want is to fly to Mumbai <laughs> yeah. when they actually film this movie. Yes. And I want to be an extra in one of the dance, in the wedding <laughs> dance scene, because there will inevitably be yeah, a, a wedding. wedding dance scene. <laughs> In this Bollywood movie. And I feel like the Bollywood version is actually going to get made. So at the end of the day, I think that's so much cooler than getting anything on Netflix or ABC. I'm like, no, we had a Bollywood version of one of our books. Yeah. Oh, so you've recently moved to San Francisco from New York. From New York, yeah. you were just telling me earlier you've been here for a year. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Um, is that ex- you moved for your husband? I moved for my husband. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's husband. been here for twenty What's years. Yeah. Um, and I also just thought he would, I would adapt better to San Francisco than he would adapt to uh, 
New York. Uh-huh. I was like, New York's a funny beast, but I'm like, I've got San Francisco, I can do this. But yeah. it's a lot different than I expected it to be. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, I can't even like really pinpoint the differences as much as, you know, it's, it's cultural. New York is also obsessed with media and San Francisco is less obsessed with media mm-hmm. than New York is. So I felt like I lived in this media bubble in right. New York City. Yes. Yeah. That's, and there's a, the tech is a whole different beast here. Have you worked in Washington? No, I never worked in Washington. Is that also a media beast? I mean, is it... It's a political, it's a political beast. Yeah. 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 I mean, all my friends... Have you ever done political reporting? Yeah. Yeah. When I was at the New York Daily News, um, I did, I covered 08, the 08 election. And then I covered 2012 for Current TV, where I was out here a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. I was coming to the office down here by the baseball stadium about once a month. Um, And so covering the 2012 election for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I say all the time... I'm so happy to not be a political reporter right now. I think I would find it exhausting and demoralizing and dehumanizing. And mm. I'm really happy to be taking a break from both politics and celebrities, actually, mm. which I think have slowly morphed into the same thing. Are you going to just keep uh, writing books? Is that kind of what your jam is now? I think so. Yeah. I mean, knock on marble table. Um, yeah. Knock on Onyx. On Onyx. Exactly. <laughs> I, um, I have another novel coming out next year, which is actually a political novel, um, coming out during midterm elections in August 2018, uh, which is a satire of a Senate candidate, a woman Senate candidate in Pennsylvania, where a woman has never won the Senate, never been governor. You would not think that about Pennsylvania. And it's kind of just a look at how we treat women in politics. And How many books do you kind of forecast out? Are you working on like seven at a time? Uh, no, this is the last one. This is the last one that I have sold. And I'm doing this one with Simon & Schuster. Um, uh-huh. So this is the last one for now. Um, so for the lay person who hasn't been, you're on the Today Show in a couple of weeks? I'm supposed, yeah, I'm supposed to do the Today Show in a couple of weeks. And that's so. why we're concerned about the caftan. I'm very concerned about the caftan. I have no, I, I really, I'm very concerned about what I'm, what I'm going to wear on the Today Show. Okay. It's pretty much all I think about right now. Yeah. And Decisions. We, well, we also, we, we have this chapter in the book about wife carrying. Um, we did a wife carrying race in Sunday River, Maine, uh-huh. um, oh which gosh. is like a Tough Mudder race. Right? That you carry your wife flipped over your shoulders. Um, Sounds so We have a whole chapter of the book bad. on it. It's so, it's so terrible. It's the, wor- <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever done. And um, Nick desperately wanted to try to show the Today Show how to do it, but I'm like, I'm now almost nine months pregnant. Like, you can't right. do it. And yeah, it like, hurt the Charlie. And he's like, do you think I could, do you think Jenna Bush wants to try it? And I was like, no, no, I don't mm. think she wants to try wife carrying with you, yeah. but you can try and we can see how that works out for you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh this, this, um, this book is, is really interesting that the whole thing, like you said, about, about marriage is... Loaded. It's loaded. It's loaded. There's so what much to it, talk what about. What are the pressures that women have unduly? I mean, uh, what, what are some of the big pressures that they end up feeling? Well, uh, I mean, I think the biggest pressure in the States is also that we have such a stigma against divorce, you know, that we think a marriage is only successful and happy if it lasts forever and ever and ever. And that's such an antiquated notion, like a notion that came about right. when people died at age 50. Um, right. My parents were made, married for 40 years. They hated each other. Uh, but if you asked my dad before he passed away if they had a successful marriage, he's like, yeah, ah. because we stuck it out. And I'm yeah. like, but you were miserable. Yeah. Um, and my mom's like, but we were miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of pressure 
to stick it out when it's not right any longer. I think that mm. people can grow out of a marriage and, and that's okay. Uh, we, there's not that stigma in places like Denmark. In Denmark, I met a lot of couples that celebrated their divorce anniversary. <laughs> like they literally like would go out. I've kind of been as, waiting for a divorce party. As couples, like with the, with the former spouses, with the new spouses, and uh -huh. they'd have the kids around. In Denmark, you can get a divorce on the internet for about a hundred bucks. Like it's not this long drawn out, terrible, I have to hate you, I have to try to steal all of your money process that it wow. is here. And I, I think that that creates a lot of pressure. I mean, we've also used social media to put a lot of pressure on people around relationships when we look at everyone only posting the very best parts. Right, the Instagram of, of the marriage. The Instagram of marriage. Yeah. I think it sucks. I and mean, we're only posting not just the best parts of our marriage, but then we Photoshop those best parts beyond like a shadow of what they actually right. look like. And it's a lot of pressure because you're like, you know what? My marriage is hard. Like, why isn't anyone else's marriage hard? And it's because we don't talk about marriage being hard. So uh, hopefully this book tries. I, I never wanted to write a memoir. I kind of think uh, it's bullshit for anyone to write a memoir except for Liz Taylor. Because I'm like, uh, no, you've got share. You, you. Tell me. Yeah, you tell me. Or share. I mean, obviously. Obviously share. Or but, even, even Ellen DeGeneres. But for <laughs> For a 35-year-old woman who is just a journalist in New York City, I'm like, I don't have anything to talk about. And so it was really important for me to write and report the book in real time. Mm -hmm. And so, because I wanted to be honest, I didn't want to look back because memory is also fallible. So right. I didn't want to look back and like sugarcoat anything. So I right. wrote and reported it in 12 months and I wrote everything as it was happening and then did not allow myself to edit that and I let my husband read it and he he's like a very very good man um the fact that he let me write a book about our marriage and then didn't... what did he think he know. loved he it like, eh. no he actually he loves it he really does New he cast. does um he's like this will be really nice for our children to read one mm. day um but it was important for me to be raw and honest and mm. I think that came across that's what we're hearing from a lot of the women and men that are reading it now they're like, thank you for you know, just sharing the honest parts of what your newlywed year was like, because no one does that. So for the, uh, for the marriage reporter mm -hmm. sitting across the table, what would you give Robbie, who's an awesome guy here, mm -hmm. getting married in about um, three months? Three months. What would, advice would you give somebody who's about to get married? Who's about to get married? I think that we don't have a culture around talking about things before we get married. Um, we build the wedding up as this giant important event and we talk about the wedding. I mean, I got more advice about my wedding, about the kinds of things to put on tiny toast than I did about my actual marriage. And so one of the things I kept hearing all over the world was, well, did you talk about money? Did you talk about kids? Did you talk about the things that are icky and kind of gross before you guys got married? And we don't have a culture around doing that. We have a culture around preparing for the wedding day. And then it's like, you're on your own. And I think one of the best things that we did was we saw a marriage therapist before we got married. And then a few times during the first year of our marriage, while things were still really great and mm -hmm. living in a culture, again, going back to the fact that we don't have a community, we don't have sounding boards to mm -hmm. you know, be our marriage mentors, to bolster a marriage. I think having a therapist, seeing someone on a regular basis before the marriage and then right after the marriage. Mm -hmm. And now, especially as we get ready for this baby to come, it was wildly, wildly helpful for us. Mm -hmm. Hear that, Robbie? Got it. Robbie's like, I'm on it. <laughs> check, check, check. Done. That. Um, okay, so what is your favorite room in your house and why? Oh, 
I'm thinking. We, I'm, I'm liking the baby's room more and more. I never, I did not think I was going to be one of those crazy people that was going to decorate a nursery. A green, blue, which one did you go with? So it's shockingly more blue than I thought it was going to be. And I was, I was very intent on not genderizing. I just made that word up, but genderizing. <laughs> Jerry man. No. Yeah. Genderizing yeah. the nursery. I was like, it's a boy, but like, I don't want to make it all blue. Yeah. But the fact is I like the color blue. Yeah. It's one of my favorite baby colors. Baby or like baby blue? So the walls were gray to begin with. We didn't mess with them, but Check. we have this kind of domed ceiling because it's an old Edwardian. Um, and so we painted that dark, dark navy. And cool. then painted gold stars. My husband is such a nerd with yes. the precision of like actual constellations. Correct. So he measured, measured out Which constellations? the constellations. So we've got... Not like the Big Dipper because that's too easy. Well, he's sm- the baby's mm-hmm. small, so we're trying to st- like we're trying to make it a little easy for him oh, okay, in okay. the beginning. But then Nick did do something to kind of mess him up. So we we did the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, um, Orion. We did Orion. Orion, yeah. We did Cygnus, which is the Swan, which is only in the Southern Hemisphere. <sighs> so you know, we really we kind of we had yeah. to uh-huh. account uh-huh. for that. No, no, that's not what messes him up. What messes <laughs> him up is that Nick made up. A constellation. <laughs> a what, a bear? No, it's the great pla- <laughs> it's the great platypus. Um, and so he created this constellation. So this poor child is going to grow up like thinking the great platypus is an actual constellation because Nick will inevitably tell him that it is. Oh, yeah. Then, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, and the great and the, we're going to have to Do you find. see the great platypus? Do you see it? Where's the great platypus, Charlie? Um, just that'll be like the first conversation he has with his therapist. Like it won't be Santa Claus with Easter Bunny. He'll be like, my dad lied to me about yeah. the great platypus. Um, so I'm loving the nursery right now, but I love our living room too, because it's kind of, when I was in Denmark, we talked a lot about Higa, Hugga, the um, Danish philosophy of creating a cozy home. And they're very invested in creating a cozy home in Denmark. And we brought those principles back to our living room in the States where it's just, it's filled with incredibly like cushy and comfortable furniture and then things that we've brought back from our travels all over the world. And it feels like a room that's very, very us. Cool. Yeah, and the walls in that the walls in that room are also navy blue. I really I like a dark wall. Yeah, I like a good a good navy. A good myself. navy. Yeah, you do like a good navy. Yeah. So we've got a good like navy thing going nice. in there. You know what the color is? What? My favorite navy color is uh, navy hail. Oh, it's navy hail. That's Get what it is. Out. No, it's navy hail. That's exactly what it is. Mic drop. Yeah, I love it. It's it's the perfect it's navy. It's the perfect right? one. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Gosh. When you think you're really creative, you like find the best colors, and everybody else has it. <laughs> well, no, I just think, like, I just think we both that, we're both a, people with good taste. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having out. me. Everyone should go get the book "How to Be Married." Yeah, it's um, on. It's on Amazon. It's in everyone Barnes married and Noble. To, tr- tr- to Jeff named Trey should go get the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's on Amazon everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all the indie bookstores. We actually we here in San Francisco we have. Um, there's a bunch of signed copies at Green Apple right now, and then at Book Sync in the marina. Very cool. Yeah. Well, what a delight. Thank we'll you. Let's hang out more. Yeah, let's Next do it. Next book. Done. Maybe. Right after the baby. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to come to the hospital? Can I? Sure. <laughs> Why not? The rooms are big. We just did our tour of Kaiser. The rooms are bigger than I thought they were going to be. Uh, delightful. I'll, I'll be right there. <laughs> just uh, text bombing. You know? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>